Psalm 105 says, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength, seek his face always. Let's worship together. to the darkness You're the only right among the wrong You're the only hope among the chaos You are the voice that calls me on Louder than every lie My sword in every fight The truth will chase away 
O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, this morning for Next Gen Moment, um, I really want to show off how smart I am. All right, is that okay? Good, good. I need some audience participation for this, though, okay? All right, I need, I need y'all to ask me a trivia question. Any sort of, any sort of trivia question. You got one, Molly? Any, <laughs> that's okay. Does anybody, I, I know y'all have useless trivia in your knowledge, in your head. Yeah, Emerson, hit me up. How many years was Gollum poisoned by the ring? Is that right? Is that right? Okay. All right. Alexa. How many years was Gollum poisoned by the ring? Here's something I found on the web. According to Killermusic.com, the Nimbus did a terrible thing right at the start of possession of the ring, but after that, they took 500 years of its poisoning for nothing. 500 years, is that right? Oh my gosh, I am. So, somebody else. What do you got? Hi. Reed, you got it? You got one? <laughs> Brogan, you got a trivia question for me? Oh, that's a good one. Ale uh, hold on. Let me, Alexa, when did the War of 1812 start? The War of 1812 started in 1812. 1812. That was a good one. That, that, almost, that almost got me. Hey, here, here's the deal. I, I'm not really that smart. I have an Alexa back here. Um, that that helped me out there. Cooper, you got one? Alexa, who is Luke Skywalker? According to Wikipedia, Luke Skywalker is a fictional character and the main protagonist of the original film trilogy of the Star Wars franchise created by George Lucas. Portrayed by Mark Hamill, Luke first appeared in Star Wars. Alexa, that's enough. Stop. <laughs> we don't we don't we don't need a dissertation. Thank you though. Does that, does that answer your question, Coop? I'm not going to repeat that. That's silly. All right, so check this out. This thing right here is, is a pretty wild device, right? This, this, is pretty, this is pretty incredible. The things that this device does is pretty incredible. It answers my trivia questions. It makes me look really, really smart. I had you, like, I tricked you guys. You guys thought I was really that smart. But it's really just this device that is, that is incredible. It can help me keep my schedule. Which, if you know me, I need help keeping my schedule. Uh, it can help me in the kitchen if I forget the recipe. I can ask this device. I can tell this device, hey, Alexa, put milk on the shopping list. You already have milk. <sighs> <laughs> that didn't work the way that I was anticipating. I can add things to my shopping list. I can, if I'm at home and it's hooked up in my home, I can turn off and on my TV. I can answer my doorbell with this thing. This thing is incredible. The things that this thing does is extraordinary. But, but here's the deal. It won't actually, like, open the door for me. It'll, like, it allows me to communicate with whoever's out there. That would be cool, though. Here's the thing, though. This, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute that so that uh, when I start saying her name, she doesn't interrupt us. The Alexa, like, this is who Alexa is. This is what Alexa was created to do, to, to make my life easier, right? To, to solve all of these problems that I had because writing something on a list is really difficult. Like this is what, as extraordinary as it is, this is what Alexa is. That's what Alexa was designed to do. Well, in the, in the youth group, tonight we're starting a brand new series called Lost and Found. And in Lost and Found, we're going to be looking at uh, the three parables in Luke chapter 15. These are very familiar parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. Very familiar parables, right? To, we're we're going to start with the parable of the lost sheep. And you, you probably know the way the story goes. There's, 
a shepherd who has a hundred sheep in his herd, and one wanders off, and the shepherd uh, does this extraordinary job of leaving the 99 in order to find the one, right? So he goes off, he does, he does this great work, he, he goes above and beyond what he's supposed to do, and, he, and he's going to find this one and bring this one back to the herd, or the flock. I don't know, it's a flock, right? Not a herd. Yeah, the flock. A couple years ago, as I was reading this, this parable, something, a phrase in this parable kind of stuck out to me and, and started to transform the way that I saw God in this parable. So Jesus is telling this, this parable to the audience, and he's kind of setting up the scene, and he's, he's saying, you know, there's this, there's this flock, there's a shepherd, and there's one of them that wanders off, and there's the 99 that, that are left. And here's the way that, that, that the, the passage reads. When he's telling this story, he says, doesn't he leave the 99 to get the one? Doesn't he leave the 99 to get the one? Here's what Jesus isn't doing. Jesus isn't like pulling this bait and switch kind of story where he's setting up the audience and, and then he's going to tell them that the shepherd did something that they would have never thought. He wasn't blowing their minds with this idea that the shepherd would leave the 99 in order to gather the one. He's saying that's what the shepherd does. He's, he's saying it like, yeah, wouldn't he, wouldn't he leave the 99 to get the one? And, and they, they would have known that. The parallel here is that God is like the shepherd, right? So when we think of the love and the redemptive work that God does for us, it's not some like extraordinary out of character moment for God where God goes above and beyond all of his, his what, what he's supposed to do or what he does or out of his character in order to, to redeem us. When, when God sent Jesus to earth to redeem us, it wasn't something that was out of character, who God is. It's who God is. It's not like God, in, in some anomaly moment, God took off his angry and vengeful God hat and picked up the loving, redemptive God hat for this moment in order to do this. It's simply who God is. It's who God has always been. It's who God is for you and for me. And so, as we move towards Easter in this Lent series, as we, or this Lent season, as we move towards Easter and as we look forward to celebrating the work that was done on Easter, right? The death, burial, and resurrection, that redemptive work of Jesus, as we look forward to that, I would encourage you to think about this idea that this is, this is who God is. This isn't something out of the ordinary, something completely out of character of God. This is who God is. God is this loving God who desires to redeem us. And I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. To know that the God that we serve, the God that we worship here together, the God that, we, that guides us and leads us throughout the week, and as we interact with others, the God that is leading us is a God who redeems and is a God who loves. May we serve and, and may we understand that that is the God that we serve. Pastor Paul is going to come and continue his series. Thank you, Pastor Josh and Alexis, uh, for the assistance this morning. And uh, makes me want to get one because I have a lot of questions that I don't have answers to. Anybody with me there, right? Well, you ever been confused? Are you confused right now? Uh, look at your neighbor and say, are you confused right now, right? You ever had something that's extremely complicated that you have had trouble dealing with and navigating? All of us have at some point in our life. I remember... Uh, in, my, in my first year of, of law school, uh, we had civil procedure. And so I'm going through the civil procedure class, and, and one class you're talking about a contract claim, and another class you're talking about a property claim, and another class you're talking about a, a negligence claim, and, and all these different types of claims. And it, it took me to the end of the semester to have that epiphany moment where I said, oh, it's not about the contracts, it's not about the negligence, it's not about the property dispute, it's about the civil procedure involved with it. So all of us have had those moments where we've been confused. Somebody's giving you directions somewhere and the directions don't make any sense. So you, you, you've, you've purchased something from a store and, and, you, and, and you've decided you're going to put it together yourself and you put those directions out. Who reads your directions first? All right. Neil does and then Neil probably rewrites them in a correct way.
those directions and they just make no sense. And uh, I, I know I, I bought a treadmill two or three years ago and I like putting it together so much I put it together like five times um, before I got it right. And, and, and so all of us have been there. Can I tell you one of the temptations pastors have? Uh, one of the temptations I have as a pastor is when I come in here and I present a message, I, I want it to be novel or new. And, and, and the temptation that we have in religious leadership, and, and this is why this happens from time to time, I believe, the temptation we have in leadership is to come with novel things and sometimes make things more complicated than they need to be. That's temptation. And so oftentimes we, we come to church and, and, and we, we try to create these real novel, new, complicated descriptions of what God is and what God's trying to do. And, and yet Jesus says we come to God with faith like a child. We come to God with simple faith. And so in this Lenten period, I think an overriding theme of this series and this period is what can you remove from your life <laughs> that removes needless complication? How can you simplify your life? Lent is this 40-day period of reflection and fasting before Easter. And, and last week we began with the idea that Lent is an invitation. That, that in Lent, it's not about putting more obligations on you. It's, it's not about weighing you down. It's, it's not about adding things to your life that distract you. But Lent is an invitation to simplify, to let go, and just allow God to move closer in relationship to you. And, and I believe that, that also that we can move closer in relationship with other people. And the text we've been, we're used for this series is the Lord's Prayer. And so we're going to put it up there, and I'm going to invite you to read this with me. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can we say that last phrase together one more time? For yours is the kingdom and the power for glory forever. Amen. I love that little phrase. You know, the prayer is an invitation. That can you just imagine that the disciples are, are looking to Jesus and they're expecting some complicated instruction on prayer? You know, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives this simple little formula, this simple little prayer. And in this invitation, it's an invitation to let go, to, to let go of lesser things and grab hold of better things. It's an invitation to, to, to not overload your circuit. And that's why we've used this fuse breaker image. It's, a, it's an invitation to unburden yourself. You ever have somebody come into your house, and I don't think I've ever used this language, but but I think I'm going to start using this language where you know they're they're, they're like got heavy coats on, and 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 you'll say something like, "Well, why don't you come in and take a load off?" Anybody use that language? Anybody ever heard that language? Is this something that only said in Indiana? Okay, you know, take a load off. You know this this ideal. That, that, you know, you're carrying all these things, you're coming to the house, take your coat off, relax, you know, take these things that you're carrying off. And I believe that the prayer invites us. Jesus is saying, take a load off. You know, approach your father with simplicity. Um, you know, we're inviting you in this Lenten season. As we go through the Lord's Prayer, as we go through these sermons together, we're inviting you just to allow God to speak. And if there's something in your life that God says, hey, you need to let go of that so that you can draw closer to me. What we're hoping, my hope is, that this won't be, okay, first week I'll think about things, but we'll continue to think about things. And as God lays things on our hearts, we're just going to let them go so that we can draw closer to him. And so those cards that I, that I talked about earlier, that's a great place. What we believe you duplicate what you celebrate. <laughs> and we believe that, that when the church celebrates together, 
it helps us all and inspires us all into a better relationship with each other and a better relationship with God. So I'd encourage you, if there's something that God's spoken to you, something that you've let go of over the past week uh, for Lent, I'd encourage you to write it on the card, drop it in the box. If you want us to share it, we will. If you don't want it shared, we won't. But, but we believe it's important that we share those things with each other because it helps each of us see what God's doing in your life and what God can do in my life. He's inviting us to let go of lesser things and grab hold of better things. And over the next several weeks, there's, there's several parts of this prayer. Uh, there, there are several things in this prayer that I think that we need to see. And, and I think the first thing, and, and maybe the, the, the overriding thing is this. The Lord's Prayer invites us to let go of needless complexity and grab hold of simplicity. Um, I was intentional in, in the use of the word needless complexity there. Because there's some complexity to life that's necessary. Uh, I want you to imagine that you're going to a heart surgeon. And the heart surgeon's going to perform emergency heart surgery on you. Uh, I don't want the heart surgeon to say, well... I'm just going to keep it simple and just have a knife and a spool thread, okay, right? We want the heart surgeon to make it as complicated as it needs to be to save our life. Can I get an amen to that, right? So, so there's complexity in life that's necessary, but sometimes complexity is unnecessary. And the Lord's Prayer invites us to simplicity. The, the good news is, that God calls us to a simple relationship with him. He calls us to simple relationships with each other. And, and, and before this little prayer, as a matter of fact, Jesus says, listen, don't be like the pagans. Don't just say words over and over and over again in the hope that your heavenly father will hear you and heed you. But you can approach your father Simply, we can use ordinary words to communicate with God. Ordinary words. Um, how do you talk in an ordinary conversation? Uh, there is, is one of those standout moments in my life as a younger man because, you know, ch churches have shifted over the years. And, and, and most of the time in the, when I was growing up, there, there was a prayer language that you used with a lot of these and thous and nothing wrong with that. And Terry and I went to this church and, and a guy in the congregation was invited to pray. And the first words out of his mouth were, God, you are a righteous dude. <laughs> You know, I, you, you, I know nobody ever does this in prayer, but I did this. Who is praying? <laughs> yeah, he just used his normal language with God. And it was, it was enlightening to me, this ideal. Listen, God, God's not looking for theological language. He's looking for conversational language. He wants to communicate with us. And this prayer Jesus gives us is ordinary words. Maybe you're comfortable with the King James, and that's the language you use. I'm not, I'm not discounting that, folks. If you communicate with God in that way and it works for you, God bless you. There's a lot of people in this room that they don't even know what a thee is. They don't know what a thou is. You need to use the language that we should use with your friends, with the people you love, because it's simple and it's inviting. We can communicate within the confines of a father and child relationship. I understand in a room like this, and this is always the thing that you need to be concerned with when you preach these kind of messages and talk about these kind of relationships, that not everyone has had great relationships with their fathers. You know, I, I'm, I'm by no means a perfect heavenly father or a perfect father, not like my perfect heavenly father. But, but I know my boys can come to me at any time. They can call me 
even in the middle of the night. And the thing is, the older I get, the earlier the middle of the night is becoming. Now, right now, currently for me, the middle of the night is about 9.30. But they can call me at any time because I love them. I want to hear from them. And Jesus is inviting prayer as, as with your father. See Lori sitting out there by Jim. Just like talking to dad. And I know your relationship is so good that you can just talk to your dad. That's the relationship. That's the prayer that Jesus is inviting us to. We can bring our daily needs to God. What's going on in your life today? You can bring that to God, and he cares. Uh, there was an elderly lady at Tri-County, Josh, I don't know if you're in here, you probably remember Rachel Flick. And, and Rachel Flick, I, I'll never forget, we were in a Wednesday night Bible study, and I may have shared this, but it, it's, it stood out with me. It's probably 25, 30 years ago she said this. But she was talking about, in a prayer meeting, about praying because it was getting ready to rain, and she had hung up some laundry on the line. And so she was praying that her laundry would dry. And her neighbor said, ah, oh, God's too big to worry about your laundry. And Rachel said, I told her, if God's not big enough to dry some laundry, he's not very big. Here's the truth. There is nothing in your life that God is too big to be concerned with. There's nothing too small for our God. Our God wants to be part of our lives and our prayer life and the conversation of our life. Uh, I'll never forget we had Corey Ten Boom's assistant come to speak at, uh, anybody know who Corey Ten Boom, it's an older name, but Corey Ten Boom's assistant came to St. Paul's Church of the Nazarene uh, many years ago when I was in college and and, and she spoke about Corey Ten Boom. And she said Corey Ten Boom would get up in the morning and she would say, God, do you want me to walk to work or ride the bus? Do, do you want me to... Because Corey Ten Boom believed that every detail of her life was important and God had a plan. See, Jesus invites us to take our daily needs, not just what's 20 years out, not just the major things, but our daily needs, our daily bread. He invites us to bring them to our Heavenly Father. See, we can have simple trust in our Heavenly Father. Can we go back to these great and complex things and and back to the heart surgeon and all those things. It's, th those are amazing. And, and what a heart surgeon does, I tell you, it's amazing what they can do with heart surgery anymore. It, it's just astounding what medical science has done. Some of, the, some of the advances. It's amazing that you can lay your, what is that? This Alexis? That wasn't on your phone? I thought it was just on your phone. Okay, that'll be easy to steal later. It's amazing that, that you can just speak. It can, it can recognize your voice, and it can answer your question. But not all of life is complex. Uh, needless complexity creates confusion and indecision. Um, so sometimes complexity does not add value to life. I, I think that's a good example uh, of, of how it can and it cannot add value to your life. I, I, anybody ever do research on the internet anymore? Research on the internet breeds more inner research on the internet, right? You can look and look and look. In the olden days, you'd call Gene McBride and you'd ask Gene, who's a good person to do this auto work? And Gene would tell you, and you'd trust him, and that would be the end of the research. But now it's hours and hours of research and confusion and indecision. See, needless complexity can deplete our resources. It can take our time, our emotional energy. It can deplete our finances. And time and emotional energy 
and finances, these represent the margins of our, of our life. It's, it's in the margins of our life that relationships deepen. Last series, we, we talked about how God calls us to an ever-expanding, ever-deepening community. And this happens. If we're going to have an ever-expanding, ever-deepening community, this will only happen in the margins of your life. And if your life is so complex and there's no simplicity in your life that, that you have no margins... God cannot deepen relationships. He cannot widen relationships. We need margins. We need space. And oftentimes, this margin has been eroded by needless complexity and obligation. Immediately after the prayer in Matthew, and you know, chances are Jesus didn't just sit and say this all together, that Matthew's compiled these. But it is interesting that Matthew put immediately after the Lord's Prayer this scripture in Matthew 6. This is Jesus speaking. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon and all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that's a good time to say amen, right? Interestingly, Jesus notes that, that often what makes our life more complicated or most complicated is our obsession with the past and the future. Often, to simplify our lives means to simply let go of the things you cannot control. You cannot control yesterday. You do not have full control over tomorrow. Well, what can you really do to affect yesterday? Well, you can forgive. Forgiveness is one of those acts that affects what happened yesterday. You can seek reconciliation. You can confess. You can make restitution. There's things that you can do that can affect yesterday, but those things happen in today. Well, what can you do to control tomorrow? You can plan and prepare to the extent possible. You know, Terry and I plan for retirement. We schedule vacations. There's things that we do in today that's preparing for tomorrow, but we don't obsess about those things. In the podcast... We, we were talking about this a little bit um, last week. And, and the example I gave is, well, we live in the now, but there's things that we do to prepare for the future. And, and, and I think the example I used, if, if you're in school and you have a test tomorrow, you've got to prepare for that test. You can't say, well, I'm just going to live in the now and I'll prepare. I'll just do the test when the test comes, right? There's things that we do to prepare. Let me ask you, what from your past do you need to release? In this room, there's individuals that there's things that have happened in the past that to simplify your life, you just need to let it go. A part of your future, you need to release. Jesus calls us to the now. He calls us today. He calls us to be faithful with this gift of today 
And to be faithful with this gift of today means that we cannot obsess or live entirely in the past or live entirely in the future. In, in the book Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster talks about the discipline or the practice of simplicity. And he says this, The central point for the discipline of simplicity is to seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God first, and then everything will come in its proper order. That that's simple. Now, now you know, some people will read that and say, man, it's all just about religious stuff. You know, the kingdom of God is about your families and your relationships and your community. It's about all those things that, that God is not just calling us to this relationship with Him, but He's calling us to this full relationship with others. And the kingdom represents not simply obedience to God, but love for family and love for community. And that's what God's calling us to. In his book, Foster gives some, some very practical um, steps, or, and I'm going to slightly alter the language in a few of these. Um, Foster says, buy things for usefulness rather than status. Reject anything that is creating an addiction in you. De develop the habit of giving things away. See, it's not often, most of the time, it's not about the things that we have, it's about the things that have us, right? You understand that? Uh, that, 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 that most of the time, it's not what we possess, but it's about the things that possess us. And this habit of giving things away releases us from the tyranny that things sometimes have on us. Do not be captive to every new trend and device, Alexis. That's not fair. I get every new thing I can, okay? So don't, don't just learn to enjoy things without owning them. Do you realize you can get books from a place called the library without purchasing them? Yeah, I know. It's weird. You don't have you can enjoy things without owning them. Uh, you, know, you, you don't have to own, and if you have a vacation house, God bless you. I'm not, you know, that's between you and God. But you don't have to own a vacation house and still go on vacation. And so enjoy things without owning them. Develop a deeper appreciation for creation. Do you ever just go back on your back porch and just look at the stars? I, I don't know about you. But, but, but there's something about being out on a trail and looking at nature that really simplifies life pretty quick for me. Avoid debt when possible. You know, the, the, the truth is that, that many times it, debt, debt has made our life so complex. Uh, debt has made, uh, made it impossible for us to, to have margin. Debt has made it impossible for us to be generous. Debt has restricted our ability to live fully within the kingdom of God. And sometimes what happens is we become obsessed with that debt, and that removes simplicity from our life. Be plain and honest in your speech. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you told anybody. You know, it's very simple. Just, just be truthful and honest. Reject anything that oppresses others. You think, that's, that's kind of an odd one. Um, Lincoln's famous for saying, those who deny freedom to others deserve it not themselves. Martin Luther King Jr. Jr. said, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And, and so as followers of Jesus, we reject injustice and oppression, and, and we do what we can to avoid those things. 
And finally, avoid anything that keeps you from seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, that's a broad one, right? But avoid anything that keeps you from seeking first the kingdom of God. Here's my Lenten question for you. What can I eliminate in my life to grow deeper in my relationship with God and others? What, let's put it another way, what can I simplify in my life that will allow me to enjoy God more, my friends and my family, my community more? Now the cards, once again, are a great place to share those. I, I want to know. I, I mean, even if you say, hey, pastor, I don't want anyone else to know. I, I want this to be just you. That's fine. I, I won't share it anywhere. If you want the community, I mean, I, I think it'd be great if we begin to, to share with one another how God is moving in our life because how God is directing you to simplify may give inspiration to someone else in this room on how they can simplify their life. And, and so I believe God speaks through community. Do you believe God speaks through community? And as God speaks through you to community, God speaks. We're going to pray this one time more together, and then we're going to close. Stand with me, if you will. Let's pray standing as we close. You ready? Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May it be, Lord. God bless.